you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. Alan, good morning. Okay, let me get my volume up a little bit here so that I can double check mine. Hear our conversation. There we go. All right. Morning. Good morning. How are you? Once again, I'm all about the fall colors. Uh, <laughs> Colleen and I have a trip to Kinzua Bridge planned for later this week. I don't know if you've ever been out there or not, but yeah, we'll place a former trestle bridge that a tornado came through and broke it. But some of it still juts out into this valley. And this valley is an amazing display of fall colors. Yes. It's like a bowl of tricks. It's so colorful. So we're doing that. <laughs> I used to go camping in the Kinzu Dam area with my grandparents. Ah, very cool. It's, it's probably three hours away over by Bradford, yeah. Pennsylvania. It's right on the Pennsylvania-New York border. And it, it isn't just getting there. The entire drive is going to be beautiful. Once you get into the foothills of uh, the Poconos and the Adirondacks, I guess that's still a little bit further east. But it's very hilly all through that area. And just around every corner, there's a new vista. And, and wow, I love it there. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we have a list. Where do we want to start? You want to pick a topic first? Or we just want to jump into something? Let's see. I'll biggest on my mind is we just saw a fantastic comedy show. Colleen and I really see a lot of comedy. And so it's not like we're the total experts, but after a while you develop a taste and, and one of our top 10 of all time, and that's out of hundreds of shows, Jimmy Carr. He's a British comedian and has been maybe more known in the United States over the last 10 years, probably has a 30 year career. He's like emo Phillips in terms of not the odd delivery, the perfectly written jokes. They're just gems, each one of them, so well-written, the, the perfect paraprosdokian. That's what's the fancy term for, where you take like a left-hand turn. It's the walk down the garden path. He has the perfect setup line. And then the next line is not only funny, but wonderfully surprising. And he does it again and again and again. And it just, it's such a nice. mental workout to keep up with him. And <laughs> it's not the typical, yeah, not to sound disparaging, the more lowbrow or the easier to access comedy. It's exactly. You got to really stop a minute and think about. Yeah. And, he, and he's, he's, he uses all the language. So it's not that he's only clean. He's actually has some great vulgarity, but it's not just another guy saying motherfucker. It's, I especially love the fact that he, like uh, one of our common complaints about comedians nowadays is they uh, repeat themselves a lot. They um, keep talking to the audience, about how maybe they're not getting it enough that that joke should have gotten a bigger laugh. And it's always like, earn my laughter. I am so ready to laugh. And if you suck, if you take your time too much, if you are continually rating me, like what I want, and, and uh, he, like Stephen Wright, Every single joke is good. And so you get a ton of comedy in a two hour show as compared to someone who takes their time. And like his, Jimmy Carr's interactions with the audience were so quick and so perfect. And everything about the show, this is a funny thing to say about comedy, was like efficient. It wasn't, hey, I got to be here contractually for an hour and a half. And so I'm going to drag it out and do the least that I can. He really seems like 
the guy in the front row that always has his hand up with a funny answer. You know what I mean? So right. I just can't tell you how we it's such a pleasure to come out of a show face hurting sides hurting because you've laughed so much and just know this will never miss it when he comes to town again one of those guys you want to recommend to all your friends because it's not even like a particular style of humor it's like he's just so witty everybody should find something to laugh at in this show so hats off to jimmy carr and it's funny again not to be rude to compare and contrast we saw ryan hamilton later that week and we still find him very funny, but he wasn't as good. And I think that, and it's a sad thing to say, sorry, Ryan, because we really like you. Some people get to a point in their career where you go, wow, if he hasn't broken big now, will he ever? And he knows that. He knows that he's, he's in the, a Playhouse Square Theater, but he didn't sell it out. And he just, whatever the pain is of being a comedian He's letting it show through enough, not just an entertainer, but a little bit of a confessor. And admittedly, he's been through some terrible stuff. He got hit by a bus. Oh, my God. By a bus and broke 10 of his 12 ribs and really wrecked him up for three months. And, and those things that comedians do is, well, this is a lot of great material. I can make a lot out of this. And he did. And yet something seems to have slowed down in him. When we saw him very young in Vegas, like 25 years ago, he was like hungry and young and just like nothing we'd ever seen. If you don't know, he's the guy that looks a little bit like Howdy Doody. He's got a very okay. distinctive face and even comes out and opens his act with, okay, here's the face. Let's talk about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think even his special starts that way. So I hope that he reignites, that he catches fire, that he gets the break. Like maybe he just never made it onto Johnny Carson and got called over to the couch kind of a thing that makes or breaks people's career. If you get on nowadays who it is Fallon or Kimmel whoever else it is that are still the people that are purveyors of comedy so it's like we talk about with music a lot comedy's got the same thing you could tell the same joke but from different people it comes across different and it's not necessarily even there were it's a combination of so many things the inflection the energy in their voice it's very subjective, but something you cannot define. And we've talked about that with music. You can get two artists playing the exact same song, and one of them will just fire you up. And the other one's, yeah, okay. It's that mystical energy. And I know people will yeah. have like, ah, oh, but it's true. What's funny is it's not like sometimes it's the artist on a particular night. We've seen, I love um, Black Crows. We saw one performance in there where they were totally phoning it in. And it's, you guys are such a great bar band. You really have the ability to just get that, get into that groove and get the whole crowd. And instead it was low key, just bad the entire night. And it's funny because I did the Prague Rock Festival, Realized Prague Stock. People were talking a little bit about, so what's some of the worst and best shows you've ever seen? And I remember seeing Sticks, who I really like. And it was right in like after maybe three albums in a row, Grand Illusion and Cornerstone and whatever. And like, they came out and like an hour, hour and ten, right in there, um, pieces of eight. And they did like an hour and 10 minutes. Did you have somewhere else you needed to be? Are you late for your plane? What is it with, you got 10 albums to draw on and you're giving us an hour and 10? Maybe somebody in the band was sick. You can share that and say, we're going to give you the best show that we can until JY vomits. You know what I mean? So- you know, I know there's a lot of people that follow like biorhythms and stuff and the moon phases and that. I've never really looked into it and I'll be like, yeah, whatever. But... A lot of people, the, we talked about this, the Myers-Briggs thing. I know a lot of people are very dismissive. Oh, get stupid. That's hocus. They made that up. It's great. They may have, but I've seen it in my life, how much it really has mattered and sometimes hit right on. Not sometimes, like 
almost every time if I look at what I am on Myers-Briggs, I'm like, yep, right there. That's why I just did what I did, said what I said, you know what I'm saying? So could moon phases, could biorhythms affect us? Maybe so. Honestly, we know that we're like um, human machines. And so it can be like, did you have the right food for dinner? And that gave you everything you needed. Do you have other things on your mind? And so it's a distraction or even like one, one of the things to me that separates the great from the good is having said, oh, maybe you had an off night. But I've seen, we just saw Jay Leno a couple months back. And Jay Leno just caught himself on fire working in his garage on one of his many cool vintage cars. And he came out and did a fantastic set. Michael Jordan has done this where he was like playing with the flu where most people, especially guys would be like in bed, get me some water. Like some people have the ability to just uh, out of mind body connection, say, I I still have to do my job. I'm going to go out there and for two hours, give my all. And then after that, I give myself permission to collapse. I'll crash (laughs) on the bus or whatever else it might be. But some people don't seem to be able to do that. They are captive to whatever their mood is or whatever their body energy is and stuff like that. Like I said, that's what separates the great from the good. When you see, we saw John Panette one night where he talked about, he had just finished doing a a big run of um, hairspray, if I remember right, where they were doing long shows every night and he did it for six months and he could have been coming out there and just said i'm exhausted i'm going to give you the best i can instead he was on fire maybe it was the freedom of now i don't need to worry about being up until one o'clock getting my makeup off or something like that like that that people that especially if you're a comedian somebody paid to see you how about giving them their money's worth no matter what your personal circumstances are you gotta go and do your job you know what i mean there's a definite mindset with any creative endeavor and creative work magician magicians yeah musicians (laughs) and comedians and authors we we've in the author communities you hear it all the time people talk oh i just haven't been able to get into writing i haven't been able to that muse that spark i just haven't felt it and then you get stephen king dean Koontz, vonnegut and those guys are like I'm a professional writer. So I sit down every day and I do my job and I write. And, exactly. and that's the difference. Right. It's funny. We've talked a little bit before about Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who wrote a great book called Flow like 30 years ago. He's now gone, but many follow-up books and many, it's very much one of those things that, like like you said, when I see myself doing something a certain way, it's, that's because I really love that flow state. I seek it out. I do it in multiple things, whether I'm coding or whether I'm playing music or whatever else it might be. And and one of the things that that comes from that is you have to learn how to set yourself into that. The things that don't work, don't be in a place full of distractions. Don't like you have to clear the decks. Some of those great writers you talked about, they have a, a favorite writing place. They even built themselves a little cab, cabin in the backyard or something like that. And they go out there and they put in there, I don't know how much you write a day, a hundred pages, no, 10 pages, one good page, but they think of it as a job and they don't give themselves a break. They know that the only way they're going to be a better writer is if they write and write and you can see their craft develop. I know that I love reading authors like from first book to last book, not only because there's usually a chronology and the characters they develop and stuff, but because I see them grow as an artist. You can really see them getting better. And that's a really cool thing. I know that I've gotten better as a coder from the many years that I did it as a speaker, all that kind of stuff. My, my high school debate or whatever talks I gave as part of extemporaneous speaking are nothing compared to when I now do a really cool talk for a Comic-Con or for the Mensa gatherings and stuff like that, that I'm, I've gotten used to. This is, I don't mean to be talking 
too much. I apologize. You're, you're there's, good. A, there's a great phrase, and I need to learn to say it in the French, but it's the hour between dog and wolf that when you need to get up for something, get up for the game, get up for the performance, whatever, you have to go from being that tame, kind of domesticated, pleasing others animal to where you're hungry and alpha and you're on top of your game. And that's the kind of thing, if, if I have to do anything before I talk, it's always do a little pacing, go to the bathroom, make sure I have my Diet Dr. Pepper, whatever my little rituals are. But it very much isn't, hey, I'll just stroll in and do what I usually do. I really get myself up for it. There's Everybody has their favorite music that they might play to before. I used to listen to the Love to Love ending guitar solo by UFO by Michael Schenker before I play intramural football in college because it just got my blood boiling it just was like i'm just so fucking ready now and i i'm gonna go bite someone but anyway <laughs> it was that's learn. rugby that's not <laughs> yeah you're right and i played rugby too so but just that you learn what music what environment um how the the, the persona that you want to put on because i don't know that i'm always one al there's multiple al's as to when i'm concentrating and playing a game or when I'm being a spectator versus a participant or whatever else. And you learn what summons those things so that you can go through the hour between dog and wolf and be ready to be your best when it's necessary that you be your best. So one of the things maybe Jeopardy that I didn't do was listen I, to your music. I didn't have that chance. It was this wonderful, but crowded, distracting, chaotic type environment. And then you pop out like a watermelon scene. And so now I'm going to be at my best. No, I wish I would have had a chance to do my usual and then it, it would be a bit better <laughs> you would have had much more time if you didn't need head shellac there is that actually someone that i there was a time when i think it might have been my second game instead of my first that usually you listen to the questions and you have to wait for the alex to finish speaking before you can buzz in but if you read well and fast you can always read the question then be ready to buzz in and i was like three questions in before i went oh now i can't quite see this one oh i forgot to put my glasses on and so, sadly, what an attestation to, I'm a little older. I really do need the glasses to see a certain distance and stuff like that. But people said that I just realized that, and I reached over and took my glasses out of my pocket, and I, it wasn't like, I fumble, and then I panicked. It was just like, oh, that's what's funny. That's a little fuzzy. Now I'll do it a little bit more. They said that I looked so totally calm, they couldn't believe it. <laughs> so... Hopefully, sometimes that even if you go into a situation where you're like, maybe you've done this when you were a musician, you might have started off a little tentative, a little off. But then when the music itself yeah, long and your and your compatriots are like, they're doing well. So it's got to step up and be part of the band here. And I like that, too. I, you play a good game of hearts where there's a whole bunch of banter and you get up for the game just by you have to rise to the occasion the challenges there and stuff like that yeah you definitely you mentioned the music uh i talked about that grand turismo movie and yeah. the uh main character john jan uh john? okay they, 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 when he would go to race in the movie he started playing enya and kenny g and people were like laughing and a little bit making yeah. fun of him but at the end of the movie, they did the the little, he continues, blah, blah, blah. He says, and he still listens to Kenny G and Enya before every race. Exactly. I was like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and actually, it's funny, in a little bit in defiance of what I just said, some part of what I've thought about what was going on is that I was a little bit overexcited, almost rattled. And then if I would have been able to get to that calmer place of, like when you're sitting around with your friends playing trivia, you don't always know where things pop out. But if your mind is running nice and efficient, cool, blue-green, as they yeah. show on the scans, 
I wish I would have been able to go to that place. Some part of what I needed the most training was not memorizing more Nobel Prize winners and Shakespeare quotes. It was, how do I, in the middle of all this chaos of, of television and lights, and just take a couple of deep right. breaths and go to your secure place that your brain will be efficient at. And yeah. I think that might have been not getting up for the game, but giving it the requisite disrespect so that you can say, oh, I've done this before. I know a lot of stuff. There we go. Let's go. <laughs> it's, it's interesting you say that because I, I mentioned Myers-Briggs. Um, yeah. I, I read things about Myers-Briggs every now and then because I click on an article. So, of course, I'm going to get those articles and those Facebook posts they forever. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most of it, I'm like, oh, go away. But I just saw one that was how you would survive on a deserted island based on your Myers-Briggs type. And I was like, oh, this is actually a cool little article because it it does fit how the brain for me works. And, and it was very funny. It's so INTJ wouldn't freak out, wouldn't get nervous that within two weeks, they, if you found them, they'd be laying in a hammock with a coffee maker that they devised so they could get their own coffee and have discovered their new brand of Coke of coffee bean. <laughs> and they'd be like the mad science INTJs are the mad scientists taking over the world is okay. what that, it was just, I laughed and I shared it with another friend who is an INTJ and he laughed. He said, Oh my God, that's like dead on what you, what would happen. Uh, So it's interesting because you do talk, you talk about doing talks and being on jeopardy and stuff for me. And I don't know if it's just all INTJ, it's just me, but I am much more relaxed and ready to go. If you put me in front of a podium with 20,000 people in an audience, then I am sitting down at a table with five or six people. Uh, It's actually much more stressful and nerve wracking for me to be in small groups than in front of a large group talking. And, and I, and even a debate thing is, okay, here's your topic. You have two minutes to prepare, go talk. I'd be like, sure, no problem. Let's go. But if you're like, Hey, Go sit at that table and get to know all those five people. Oh, dear God, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, many people say this, I'm sure. I, I count on my adrenaline to work for me. There's any number of things that I I don't know that I uh, chip away at it. I let it get to where it has to be done, and then I do it. So you like time box things. I'm going to write um, this article for the Mensa newsletter. I don't want to spend six hours playing with it. I want to get it done. So I wait until I have an hour, and then I say, put everything else away and knock this out. And a lot of times you're already in the background of your mind, been working on what you want to say. So sometimes it just flows out because you've been thinking about it in your subconscious. But I think that creating sometimes that artificial time pressure really does work for certain people. And I think sometimes it does for me. Once in a while you get yourself in trouble where, okay, I gave myself four hours to get this done. And then all the things I needed weren't there. People hadn't gotten back to me with information, whatever else it might be. Colleen had to deal with this all the time that and she's not, I think, as a good a time boxer or doesn't seek out that situation, but she was perpetually having to follow up more than she was just to get her work done. She's really good at doing her job, but she had so many dependencies on other people. And that's a a formula for stress I read in some article is where you have the responsibility for something, but you don't have the control over every aspect of it. And every single stressor of who doesn't get back to you on time, doesn't give you full information, doesn't know what they're talking about when they said, I'll take care of that for you, et cetera, et cetera. She had to deal with that all her career. (laughs) So she's in much better disposition now that she's retired because we talk every day about when the phone rings, it isn't, oh God, what now? 
oh, who, do I, what do I owe somebody something who's going to come and, and talk to me? It was like, I got to disappoint you because I wasn't able to get this. And even though you now really need it, just it, it was, it, it's really good that she doesn't have that exact combination of lots of responsibility and not the ability from to, to shelter herself from others on uh, lack of quality. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I, here, there's here's something we didn't talk about last week, uh, and a side new endeavor of mine that uh, involves some chemistry. My buddy Casey and I uh, have started doing soaps to sell handmade goat milk soap, and we because you we, have goats on your property. What have I missed here? That's, <laughs> no, no. Okay, so we've been doing the pallet thing where you buy pallets and you resell them, and we've tweaked that formula. We've worked on it, and we like okay here's where we did the, where are we making the most money and how are we making the most money? How can we maximize that and focus yeah. on that? Cool. And here's the other stuff that doesn't make us as much money. We're not doing that as much. So what we came down to is, okay, we, we've got a couple avenues of the pallet stuff to go, but this isn't going to be like a full-time replace your job thing uh, unless we start buying and selling whole pallets to other people moving up the, the the next level or or yeah, eventually we talked about getting like a, an indoor flea market and selling spaces to other people or even my thought was a traveling road show a traveling flea market where every all through summer every county fair we get the buildings the following week but it's always the week after your county fair and That's then we get idea. all yeah, these okay. flea markets with mm -hmm. people selling up flea markets to come in and yeah. But those are very large endeavors. We have to work up to that or get an influx in cash. And we didn't want to do a loan. We, we didn't want to owe that money if things didn't work out. So we're building and we're like, okay, we know we can, for every $100 we spend, we know we're going to make about 150 to 175. Uh, but the time frame for that is small. Each in the early summer is a great time. And then uh, just a little bit the rest of the year. So we need something to fill in now. We need something to take the time replace. So we were at a flea market with a lady who does handmade soap, goat's milk soap. And without doing hardly anything, people were buying it. And we're like, huh. And we talked about it and said, we can do that better. <laughs> yeah. And so we've been going down that rabbit hole. It is not hard, but it's not easy. Okay. So what does it consist of? You're picking different scents, different combinations of scents and saying, we want to make sure we cover the lavender and the... You know, I'm yeah. So here's the thing. It's such a popular thing that literally there are places out there that you can go and order like this kit and then you get the kit and you melt it all down and you put your scent in, pour it in the molds and let it set for a day and you're done and you have soap. And, it's, and we're like, yeah... Our problem was the it had goat's milk soap in it or goat's milk to make the soap in it, but it was like the last ingredient. There were all the same chemicals and all the other ingredients that normal soap in the store has. Interesting. Uh, yes, you can do anything to differentiate yourself from the market, if you will. You might do what people think are the favorites, but there's not going to be anything that says, I need to find Schneider soap, got stuff that nobody else has. Okay. So we were like, yeah, because we were going to distribute for her and just resell her soap elsewhere because we said, okay, the product isn't, we know the product's good. Now it's all down to marketing 
and like that. So we said, we could do that part better. Then we're looking and we're like, yeah, this has the same crap ingredients. And we, so we said, we're going to make the best goat's milk soap we can with all natural ingredients. So we've been experimenting and figuring that out. So we've got our formula close. We keep making different batches. We're like, okay, this one's too hard and flaky. This one is like bad cheese. It's too soft and just experimenting and figuring it out. And we're down four ingredients. That's all we've got is four ingredients, but it takes a month to set up, which is why a lot of people don't do this method. Okay. Um, Not overnight, not let it set and it's ready to go. Yeah. But that's going to be our big selling point is we we guarantee this is all natural. Here's the ingredients we used and no GMO. We're we're spending a little more to get the non-GMO and the non-additive, this, that, and the other thing. Uh, So we can tell people, hey, this is as natural as you can get uh, from us. And that's going to be our selling point. So it's interesting. One of the things that we often enjoy when we watch our Great British Baking Show is where people they, the judges will often ding somebody for saying, you didn't really use natural almonds, you used almond extract. And many of those things have a distinctive chemical mm. taste, if you will. Not everything. Some things like banana, ester, whatever else it might be, at least to my unrefined palate, things taste a lot the same. And yet what you're saying about if it's the, the perfect ingredients naturally, someone who's taken the shortcut and saying, well, I bought trisodium lavendate and that's not gonna if people really right. know that it's not just really the plant rendered down into something rather another uh, we'll come back of course when i do my pretentious drinking stuff i try to find places that it's not hey we made a brandy and then we added something to it that no it really is lavender distilled it really is pineapple distilled if there even is one like that because pineapple pineapple is really weirdly enzymic yeah doesn't do things correctly like <laughs> yeah. Fruits, it'll curdle it <laughs> like that exactly. or maybe because pineapple is not really a fruit it's a berry or it's on there's different classifications and how they sell it in the grocery store is not always an indication of what it is in nature <laughs> right you know? so, so when you were experimenting like america's test kitchen you keep doing we're going to make 10 bars this way and 10 bars this way and then you do a, a, a comparison of how flaky how does it feel in your hand how does it smell on your skin yep. so do you have testers like you have ladies well, testing it because that- they would hear more about well, that's, <laughs> so we're, we're working on that we've got several batches over the last couple of weeks we've made that are in different stages they had different formulas and we're trying to try so we're going to try them all out to make sure it's good first and then of course we got family and all that casey is, is more like we need to remelt this down and reformulate i'm like just this is all a wash just forget about this We'll make, once we figure it out, we'll know. We'll just give this stuff away or better yet, we'll just break it up into pieces and sell it as oops bars. Like they do the oops like bread. The, the sweet slips that they have Eggs. at candy stores and stuff Right. Like and, and we're also trying to make our bars a little bigger. So most of the bars in the store are like 3.7 to four ounces. We're doing right. five to six ounces and trying to make them bigger. And okay. we're not doing any sense at the moment until we figure out the formula And then there's different things like the lady we were talking to, she just gets a fragrance that she puts in and we're like, okay, but that fragrance adds chemicals and it doesn't always, it smells chemically if you, you, so we are getting essential oils. The problem is essential oils are very expensive. So everything's all natural. So it keeps raising the price. So if it's costing us $4 a bar, we can't sell it for $4. It just doesn't make sense. Are you almost like pioneer style from what I remember yes. in my books that soap is like 
ash plus, you know what I mean? It's four basic ingredients and then you churn it the right way. And so, so it, you got to give away any trade secrets. I'm just like, you, you got a fat and uh, an oil essentially, but to get those to mix together, you have to write the right combo, but that's what you put the lye in for. And soaps have lye. People are like, oh, I don't use soap without lye. Really? Because the soap you're using from the store, they used lye or right. other harsh chemicals. The thing is, that's why it's sitting for a month because that leaches all the lye out. So there, it's like baking bread. There's no alcohol in bread once it's done. That's what happens with the yeast. And that's what happens with the lye and the oil and the fat. It helps them combine. And then the lye is gone. And all you got left is a mixture of the oil and fat. Yeah. One of the things, this is funny, there's all kinds of foolishness out there about, hey, what's in that vaccine? What's got any of this, then it's bad for you. And if you do any soap making, any baking, any cooking at all, that it's not a matter of, is it in there or not? It's the dose. It's the how much a quarter of a teaspoon is a whole different thing than half the recipe is right. lot. And you know what I mean? And so there's all kinds of things you use as a catalyst, as a um, whatever are the chemical needs that you put in there that the amount of scent and and again from the baking show you'll be like wow there are certain things that are so strong like rose that just the tiniest three quarters of a tablespoon instead of a half tablespoon right now it reeks of rose and it's no good it tastes bad because right. your body is not used to something that strong in that family of of chemicals if you will so i i love as I have done hundreds of breads now, I often will say last time, remember this being like sunflower seeds have a very distinctive taste. And I might want to go with a little bit less than what the recipe calls for because et cetera. You know what I mean? Right. I'll have yep. little, little mental notes to myself or that, Hey, I really like garlic. I'll put a lot of garlic in my cooking, but not as much for Colleen because she likes it, but she's very sensitive to when it's too much. Right. right. <laughs> that kind of thing. Right. So. And okay. the funny thing about these people like, Oh, I don't want those vaccines. First of all, I almost guarantee you've had a vaccine when you were a kid right. uh, and, and you didn't know what was in it then. And you exactly. <laughs> so maybe you're right. Maybe vaccines do make you stupid. This is proof. But these same people have no problem eating hamburger helper and eating McDonald's. Right. Stop Quickly. a minute. Or, or drinking, drinking a two liter of Coke while they're watching a football game and eating nachos and melted plastic cheese. Exactly. <laughs> Stop a minute, folks. <laughs> that, wait, so, uh, a bunch of friends used to go over to Troy's house where he had what was called a not luck party. That is a potluck, but it, it was everybody bringing ingredients. And he had, had been like a road chef for rock band. So he was used to being able to make great food out of virtually anything. And that's what he would do. We got challenged him more and more with the otter and otter ingredients. So it wasn't just pork and beef and chicken. It was like, how about some turtle? How about some, how about some echidna? Whatever. I, I don't want to name any, in case that's an endangered species. We never had echidna. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, right. but, but, but the reason for saying that was, and bear with me, let me get back on track. It was that I, I, I derailed myself. Sorry, yeah. We're talking about proportion and darn it. But I, I said the vaccines with the hamburger helper and McDonald's. Exactly. That I, I was very game to try virtually anything. And like uh, trying a lot of things for the first time, it was like I have like, so for instance, we had durian, which is the, that's the fruit that you're not allowed to bring on public trend in India, because oh. if you break it open, it smells like rotting bodies. It's a right. terrible smell. And so- when he did it, he like cracked it open and the whole house was like, get that outside. <laughs> and he was already ready to do that. He knew that it was going to be that kind of thing. But he was one of the guys that 
had a real good feel for. He had bought some balsamic vinegar that was really expensive. And in order to have that taste in whatever food you're making, you didn't glop it in. You put like a drop in and it really inhabited the thing because it was so concentrated or so however it is chemically active it did that kind of stuff so when we used to go do those kinds of things i was always up for man i not only do i want to try everything but i hope that i remember what i've tried right say maybe i do want to have do they have goat meat anywhere here in in the cleveland area i I would think so i colin said that arby's has a new burger that has like moose in it or elk or something <laughs> canadian coming down from Canada, i, I guess thing? Uh, <laughs> may, i know it's venison but i thought yeah, yeah. you're right yeah. venison and yeah. maybe something else i thought he said i was like okay <laughs> yeah. we when we did aficionados our movie group the afi top 100 we often tried to make theme food that went with the movies and so we tried various different ethnicities cuisines and sometimes it was like if we're going to have german food let's make hassenpfeffer let's have some rabbit and there really are places you can find those kinds of things some places have snake meat and rabbit meat and, and emu and all that kind of stuff right. and so, there, for some it was quite distinctive and others were like what everybody else says tastes like chicken any ostrich emu etc and even we had a when somebody brought a big ostrich egg and it was like it tastes like egg it doesn't taste like gamey, wild, running right. around the veldt egg. It was just egg. You know what I mean? So some things, you raise your anticipation a little bit, and then it doesn't come true. But I have, I know I'm all over the place today. One thing I love to do with making cookies is I don't just make standard chocolate chips. I go and get the cool, different bits. I get mint, and I get peanut butter, and I get dark chocolate, and that kind of stuff. And then I, and I try to keep the batches separate, because there's nothing worse than somebody biting into <laughs> what they expect to be a nice chocolate chip, and then it's like a Skittle. You know what I mean? They thought it was going to be an M&M, and it was going to be a Skittle. So I don't want to fool anybody, but I really like that interesting variety. Yeah. It touches different parts of your palate and stuff like that. So I don't know. I've always been about variety, and that's one of the Me reasons too. these kinds of things. I'll try anything. As long as I take, it isn't worth going into that discussion, but I won't try everything because I don't want to, like, I don't know. I don't want to have, there was a movie with Matthew Broderick and Marlon Brando about a group that got together to eat like endangered species. And like, I, that doesn't appeal to me at all. I don't yeah. want to conquer something. I just want to taste it. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So, so when we were up in Canada, I did make a point of having moose or bison or things that were particular to there and seal i think i had some seal but they also had at that at the place they did have like ostrich it's like i'm gonna wait till i'm in africa to have ostrich because it doesn't seem right to come to canada and get something that isn't native to canada right oh, i don't even know where i got that standard from but somehow it really mattered to me that like what do they know about cooking ostrich in canada this isn't like i know they know how to do bacon i know they know how to do moose <laughs> Canadian, yeah, real Canadian bacon in Canada. Exactly. Pea meal bacon. We, I made a point every time we've been up for our comedy festival to have pea meal bacon because it's just, I don't think you get that down here in the States. So whatever it is, that's a different way of curing it or flavoring it or something like that. I get some of that because I'm in Canada and that's what you do. Right. <laughs> You're going to Halloween next weekend, which I have to miss this year. Right, uh, yeah. But uh, you mentioned Halloween. So what are you dressing up as? So it, it, this year's theme is uh, silver screen. It's Halloween like 47. And I think that's the chemical number, the, the, the atomic number for silver, argent, hence silver screen. And so Colleen and I came up with the idea and hope that you know, people. Yeah, if you're on Halloween, don't listen. Be- right, exactly. We what, what goes with movies? Naturally, uh, the Oscars. And so we came up with a couple of good Oscar costumes. Oh, and, good. And, you know, so and, and it's funny because I, it. Um, uh, 
Colleen and I have this determination to spend five bucks. You know what I mean? We don't want to go and rent a costume. We don't want to spend months developing it. It's what's the caricature that I can make that's going to say, oh, funny big glasses. That must be Elton John. What did it cost me? Big glasses. So we we think we've developed ways. And, and we thought of these ideas a while back, but we haven't started on them yet. And it's only two weeks to go. So here's hoping that we're not doing this Wednesday night. Before two weeks? We you, you have less than two weeks, man. It's next week. It is next week. Exactly. <laughs> it's already, yeah, I'm already 10 days away, right? So, yeah. So the, the, the joy of that event, one of the big things is the, the costume parade. And maybe we yes. talk about this probably every year because you have to, but I just love seeing that level of creativity where every year people like they bring things out of the news, they embrace the theme. And so I know that we're going to see all kinds of who are the movie stars that people are going to imitate, but with a punny aspect to it. Here's my guesses. Like we're going to see someone that comes out dressed all suave in a suit, but have uh, blood on them. And it's going to be Cary Grant or something like that. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> hilarious. So, and it, honestly, now that I've said that, I should do that. Because, <laughs> I like that one. One of my experiences, I went one year as pie a la mode. By that meaning, I had a big pie symbol on me and I had I was dressed in buckskin and I had blood all over me because I'd been at the Alamo. And unfortunately, man, whatever I got for the quality of the makeup that I got, that blood took forever. <laughs> Get off of me, out of my hair, out of my ear crevices, all that kind of stuff. It gelled and like it looked, I looked very much like a, a walking zombie because it wasn't nice and neat. It had gooked everywhere. So I got to be careful about one year I went as uh, um, Dr. No, by that meaning I was dressed up doing no theater, white face, big robe and stuff like that. It was the James Bond team, if I remember right, that year. And same thing. However, I apply makeup. Maybe I don't put the layer down that's supposed to make it easy to come off. Or maybe I something in my body chemistry says, hey, let's not just wear this. Let's bond with it. You need more head shellac. <laughs> exactly. But not cowbell, head shellac. I got <laughs> to step into the mister and get all sealed. And then I can put the stuff on and it won't affect me. Uh, especially also facial hair. Man, if you put anything in your beard and mustache, it not only does it take a while to clear it up, but it like you start rubbing enough that you're abrading yourself. Yes. Like, don't do this again. Whenever you don't do any face makeup. <laughs> when when my kids were younger, I always pushed for them to make up a costume. And it's actually harder and more time consuming. And I never I never was a, I never enjoyed, let's just go to the store and buy a plastic costume. You put it on. They don't look that good, but the kids used to make some great stuff and they loved it. They, they had some pride in it and they enjoyed it. Colin still uh, enjoys getting dressed up. The co Now it's cosplay. You're not, you're an adult. So you're not just putting on right, a costume. Right. It's cosplay. So, yeah. I have dressed up besides Halloween and stuff like that. I remember any number of the early Marvel movies when I was just so happy that they existed, they were going on. I would dress up as Thor and go to the movie because I'm built like a Viking. And so you put a horned helmet on. It's like, wow, he's really into this. <laughs> um, Colin did that too for Thor. There you go. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see where my mom is at Arden Courts. They're having a Halloween thing. And so I intend to dress up and, and they already, they've gotten to know me because I've been there three days a week for nine months now. And I'm hoping that it won't be like too, like, I don't know that I want to walk in there with either a hammer or an ax because I got a feeling I shouldn't. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to be spooky. I just want to be funny. So we'll see about that. But it, Colleen and I have a ton of like often on the drive back from Halloween, Sometimes we don't already know the theme, but we're already thinking of what's in the news. What can we do for next year? And there's been maybe two or three times where the germ of an idea that started the day after the event is over here. Because <laughs> we then there's 
nowadays there's got to be how many people are going to be dressed like Trump or Biden? How many people are going to be like there are certain people that are much in the news? Is anybody going to be like Lady Gaga? Is anybody going to be there's always a certain number of sports figures? I there are memorably great costumes um, at, because it's the wonderful Mensa group and relentless geekery wise. There's always like a couple cyborgs, a couple Klingons, a couple. I will couple say that that group for the most part doesn't go down the easy or the route that other people may normally choose uh a lot of times they're trying to get something to make you like think about it and that's that the key is to have such a great costume that people can't easily guess it while you're walking up on stage and then the minute you say it you get this wonderful explosion of yes that's great there uh, one year we had a guy dressed as a klingon with a tackle box and a a rod and reel and he came out and had the great b voice I am Fisherman's Wharf. <laughs> and everyone, I sit there, I try to always get pictures of everything, but also in, in the days where I would sit more towards the back, I would take notes. And then when I go to work on Monday, I'd be like, here's the great jokes I heard the joke off, and here's the great costumes that I saw. You can't believe how cool an event this is. You know what I mean? So it was furry with a syringe on top, and it was a uh, uh, paradox. And, and I, I should, of course, talk about the costume that you let people guess, but just the amount of work that went into it or just the wit of they came up with something and bam had they had a couple where a a group of four ladies came out dressed as witches and they stood up there and they started to brush each other off and so that was a self-cleaning coven (laughs) (laughs) and then they came back the next year and they all got up and they did a little thing like this and now there was a microwave coven (laughs) i love where people exhaust a theme where they really one guy came as death each year Grim Reaper with a sickle and everything like that. Scythe, I should say, right? And one year it was he had a microwave on and he was death warmed over. <laughs> and one year he had a Hawaiian shirt on. It was death takes a holiday. So <laughs> I just love where people are witty and sustainedly so. That's a really cool thing. And at least I don't even know that I remember who was these various different things. So, hey, everybody that I've named your costume, remember that though I saw it like 25 years ago, it was so memorably good. Right greatest hits list of what things i've seen at halloween i just loved some of those things nice all right so what else we got let's see you mentioned hulu that uh, streaming is definitely changing with the strike going on with movies not making money and with just the way streaming is like we're losing money and things getting canceled and moved and what things are changing once again in our entertainment world (laughs) exactly so one of the things that i've realized is it isn't only that I like certain genres and themes that I really like certain actors and actresses and I follow them to whatever project they're going on. So I really like Colleen and I both like Nathan Fillion. Mm -hmm. We have seen like the very short lived Firefly, but then we saw many seasons of Castle and now he's got, not now, I think it's already the rookie. And so we've been catching up on all those because they're like five, six, seven seasons. And we're only into season one and loving it. And it's not only him, a great supporting cast. It's him trying to be a rookie as a policeman, but he's older. And so all the attendant chaos of that. But one of the reasons for mentioning that was we regularly watch Amazon, Netflix, and so forth. And for a long time, the whole point of cable TV was you buy it to avoid the commercials that are over there on network TV. And then you started to get they broke the covenant. Comedy Central was the one I first remembered that it wasn't just Comedy Central anymore. They had tons of ads. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't watch a movie on Comedy Central because it was as bad or worse, you know what I mean, than anything I'd ever seen on a Sunday night at the movies, where not only were they injecting ads, but they were actually cutting some parts of the movie out to fit in the ads. And that's yeah. 
guys. So we have, by watching mostly Amazon and Netflix, which are still pretty good, I think they're going to start to have an ad-supported tier as well as a regular tier, and I'm hoping we won't we will pay whatever is necessary to not watch them. We don't get Hulu Plus, and I think I'm going to have to go to it because nowadays when we watch The Rookie, it's just larded with ads. And especially with elections coming up, there's all kinds of political stuff. And there's one of the reasons that it's worth doing it is because you get an idea by watching network TV, like we watch for the Olympics or even Jeopardy or something like that, or this, here's what America gets splashed on it all the time. Then I don't know, I get most of my news and most of my, I don't seek out any kind of advertising. It's occasionally sneaks in through my filters online and stuff like that. But is every ad for, hey, get yourself a new car, try this new drug. They're like, like America must really think everybody is sick because there's so many drugs out there. And maybe, I think we've talked about this a little bit before. When you find out by looking up a little bit about it online, that condition only applies to 50,000 people out of 300 right. million. And they want that being advertised everybody to think they have it. And that's, yeah. Ask your doctor about this, that kind of stuff. And I guess I really, it's odd to me to have, especially not only do you have the ad for the drug Rinvoke or whatever else it might be that it's two thirds is the ad. And the last third is here's all the terrible side effects. (laughs) And and I I know everybody talks about this, but it really boggles my mind. I just can't believe that you're going to be like, Hey, this is good for clearing up your toenail fungus, but you might like die of like anaphylactic shock. You might get like depressed so much that you would kill yourself. Right. Sign up unless you, there are of course life-threatening conditions. If you really are, you need something to to do with your heart's not right. Your metabolism's not right. Whatever else it might be, you, you have depression. And so they try various different things to try to get you past that. But man, it used to be, hey, take an aspirin and, and maybe you might get a, hopefully a little bit of upset stomach. Apparently the days of those miracle drugs are long gone. And now everything that's being developed has all kinds of follow on and not benefits, but possible side effects that just scare me to death. You know what I mean? I, 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 we are both do, doing diabetes type stuff. And as as they had weight loss drugs that came from diabetes, like Wigovi and Manjaro and, and Ozempic. And they're finding out now that the dose matters a little bit or a lot of it. It changes and, and it matters to different people. And I just don't want it like, hey, I got rid of the diabetes, but then my femur snapped because it hollowed out my bones. Right. It osteoporosis or something. And I don't think that's one of the things that goes with that one in particular. But I know I've heard about that for others is that right. we're going to take care of everything about it seems to lower your natural immune system. Many drugs have that. I don't want to go autoimmune. And I also don't want to be, hey, I got this great drug, but now I can't go outside because if somebody sneezes on me, I'm going to get for sure whatever flu or COVID or anything like that. It's really weird the the level of risk that you're taking on to try to cure one thing and then another thing pops up. It's like playing whack-a-mole. But that's, guys, our our society in this regard is so screwed up uh, because a lot of these diseases are exacerbated by our cultural lifestyle and the choices. And a lot of it could be avoided with changing that, but people really don't understand or even want to do that. So now we're on this track and then you get the thing of everything can only be fixed by taking a pill. And then finally people are like, you know what, that's stupid. I need to get healthier. But on that side of it, you got all these charlatans going, oh yeah, this is how you get healthy. I had 
a, a family member. Oh my God. There's this one family member that we avoid that she was <laughs> drinking vinegar and egg raw egg every single night because she said oh yeah this will make you lose weight uh, around your belly and it'll keep you from getting this that and the other thing and that was all she had to do was just drink a glass of vinegar with a raw egg and i'm like yeah good for that and she doesn't do it anymore i'm like so what happened oh i just couldn't take it anymore of course she's also the same one recently that said that test we had like last month where everybody got the national emergency test on that Wednesday on your phone. She said, yeah, make sure you're nowhere around your phone when that goes off because they're using it to trigger the vaccine that they implanted in you. And we're like, what? Yeah, that's why they're doing it. So they could track us and control us through the emergency signal. It activates the vaccine. Wow. Go back to your crazy hole. Honestly, that I, this is a sad thing to say. I really am, it used to be, hey, I want to lose some weight. Good. Diet and exercise. That's the way to go. Uh, I, I don't want to. Is there a pill? Is there a pill I can take? And for a long time, it was, well, of course, there's not. You really have to learn a little bit of discipline and a little bit just that. Right. Not only, I always love where it's not only really you want to lose weight, like everything you're going to do while you're doing diet and exercise is going to make all of you better, lower your blood pressure. It'll get increase your mental concentration. There's all these side benefits. So just like, why did we, why do we want to fight climate change? And I'm going to go there just a minute. And we'll come right back because it's not only fighting climate change, all the things we do to fight climate change, to have cleaner air and cleaner water and control pollution in general, it's all incredibly beneficial even if it only lowers what we've already done the damage by half a degree, but all these things are still worth doing. And instead that weird silver bullet, it has to be all or nothing, whatever else it might be. It really has made people crazy. And my biggest sad fear about the onset of these weight loss drugs is that all the people that did nothing to make themselves healthier, better, are not going to say, I won. I outlasted them. Now there is a pill I can take. And then they're going to find out, well, you get Ozempic face and you lose weight differently in different parts of your body, depending on whether it's brown fat or white fat and what's stubborn and what's not. And you might, it always is going to be good to drop weight if that's your issue, because it'll put less strain on your heart and everything else. But it's not going to be like, suddenly you'll look like Brad Pitt and Chris Evans. You're going to be all that extra skin, it's going to be still there. I'm hoping that, and the fact that there now are miracle shots or pills that opens the door for all the charlatans to say, oh, don't use that Ozempic stuff. We've got an all natural regimen and all natural means nothing except the BS that we're about to hand you. So if you eat a foxglove extract and they'll come up with the most ridiculous things, vinegar and egg and then somehow there's going to be a certain percent of the population that's going to be i knew they were hiding that from us i i right. thought that someone revealed to me the secret so that now we all can lose weight together because i'm going to drink bleach or something terrible and just that sometimes it's not just it'll it's innocuous and it will pass through your system with no benefit sometimes it's actually going to fuck you up you know what i mean if you put too much name it Vitamin D is one of those things from what I know, vitamin A, you really can overdose on it. It isn't a matter of power blasting various different vitamins and minerals. You really got to be careful that in your body expelling magnesium or something that also takes your iron out. We well, right. kind of need iron for healthy blood. You need iron to build your bones. Got to get your calcium. Right. Everything, the RDA, those you know, required 
like they all exist because they did America's test kitchen for the populace in general. And they said, what are the ways in which we're going to put enough vitamin A, B, C, D, E, all the way to K or whatever else it might be. And hey, maybe some fish oil and some CoQ10 and some garlic, but it's still a matter of dose. And you don't just pound stuff into you and not like upset the body's natural right. equilibrium. And especially you got to be a little bit wise because some things are water soluble and you really will pee them out. So then it's just like waste. I have bright yellow urine because I did too much vitamin B. If it's fat soluble, it stays in your system. It goes into those abundant fat cells that some people have. And then what's going to happen when they have like overdoses as they lose weight, all the vitamin E comes out and all of a sudden they're growing a horn. I'm just being silly, but that same, you have to learn enough, not just say, give me a pill. You got to know what does the pill do and what? Oh, that same family <laughs> member will argue <sighs> all the time. This is fine to take because it's all natural. It's like, <laughs> why, you know, that's the, I can say it's all natural and people's brains just shut off. It must be fine. And I'm like, okay, but you know what? Poison ivy is all natural also. You know what? <laughs> Cobra venom is all natural also. And they're like, that's just silly. I'm like, no, like you you literally said that the reason this is okay for you is because it's all natural. But do you know if any of this affects the medicine you are taking? For example, I take whatever brain shut off, but- I can't uh, have grapefruit because it blocks the absorption of the medicine. Got well, it. Exactly. Grapefruit's all natural, but it interacts with this medicine I have. So yeah. you got. Uh, I only take a certain number of pills, but I always read the little thing that says, here are the other things that can interfere with it, or sometimes even worse, maximize the dose. It makes it so that it's even more effective. And then if you're taking a blood thinner, which I was for a while after my atrial fibrillation, you don't want warfarin. And I think it is grapefruit because then it's like you're, it thins it even more than you want. And now you're almost like hemophiliac level. It's you close to that range you want, dropped you out of the range. And now if you get cut, you really will bleed a lot because you have no anticoagulants. Pound the vitamin K that they, they say, Make sure you always have some kale or spinach to eat. I was like, because I'm going to carry that around with me. But that's of a very big source of natural vitamin K. And that really will help in case you ever had a tragedy like that. Right. So people just, I don't know, I it never occurs to me to try something like that and not learn about it. Like I'm putting this into my body. I sure got to actually know. learn I about it. Busy. You know what I mean? Why am I getting that? I don't think that I wasn't getting dizzy before. Do I need to stop this? Do I need to lower the dose? Do I need to not have that plus my diet, Dr. Pepper? Because, oh no, it interacts with the... <laughs> and you know what I told her that is also all natural? Mm -hmm. Eating right and good foods and exercising. That's all natural. By the way, it is worth like when you talked about which kind of things you want to do with your soap, in that case, like all natural ingredients, it's like a marketing ploy as much as it is a purity thing. Yes. Look for that, even if it, because Colleen and I have had discussions about, because I don't notice the difference between almond extract and regular almond. I can use it, but maybe other people do that it tastes somehow metallic or wrong. Right. So it isn't to me that all chemicals are bad because there's all kinds of things you do chemically that are just like what the natural thing is, learned what the natural taste of banana was. And they said, this is exactly the ester. They can show you the little diagram of the carbon atoms with the H's and O's hanging off of it. And if they can recreate that in the lab, it's actually very cool that they don't have to use up bananas, render bananas down and waste all the fiber of a banana to get to, you know what I mean? I, I like right. chemically have been able to 
conquer nature in that way of, I really know what salt is made of. It's NACL. And it might be that people start saying, well, you want to get your Himalayan salt because it's pink. And if it's not, if it's nothing besides NACL with the tiniest little trace element to make it pink, it still isn't better for you. Right. You have non-salt stuff. It's all a marketing. Yes. Potassium chloride or the other non-salt things, but a, a Himalayan salt or a, a ocean floor salt or whatever, it's, it's still salt. It still has that same impact on your. And, and it's funny you say that because <laughs> all the things we're doing with the soap, we very much are trying to get all the keywords that we can use because it is a marketing thing. So the right. soap we've been distributing, we can say handmade in Ohio. Very okay. true. Yeah. And it has natural ingredients. Very true. But it doesn't have all natural ingredients. That's two different things. And so ours is, uh, and, and these keywords spark people. It's handmade in Ohio, hand cut by us. We sweat on it when we're doing it. And it's all natural <laughs> ingredients. And we can say that everything in here is all natural. And yeah. those types of things, people are like, oh yeah, great. And it, <laughs> we really are trying to offer the right good product, but there's right. so many people. If we just say, oh yeah, it's got natural ingredients in it. Yeah. On top of the other chemicals. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I know the, not FCC, FDA has rules about when you use certain terms, they really are not just terms of art, there are terms of law, and that if you say, like, low fat or no fat, or you uh, try to think which ones in particular, natural is one of those things that it means nothing. It's right. only a marketing word. And even if you are true to it, that you sourced it from natural means and stuff like that, when you see it on a package, it doesn't mean anything about it's healthier or has different impact or whatever like that. So it's worth um reading the article that says what are the terms that the FDA will really go after places for using it wrongly because the minute we got past drugs and went into all the different nutraceuticals or pseudo pharmacological like logical I didn't mean to butcher that there really are things like when I go to Costco and you see which places they have an underwriter's laboratory label and so you know that the assay is good but some places really embrace the woo-woo labels, and some people are more exactly what the FDA says you can use to show this is real. This is according to law what you can expect. So I love the chemistry thing because that's that way long ago. Did you do this? When I was in school, I didn't want to just do the chem labs. I really was like, so how do you make glue? What makes glue? You know what I mean? There's, and after I learned how to do it, then I glued somebody's locker shut. <laughs> so it wasn't, I wanted to learn how to do it, but then I thought, now I have a purpose for this. What makes? We made chloride gas that cleared out the chemistry room really quick. I had any number of experiments where I had to do it under a hood because the gas that it was emitting was like, don't lean into that. You yeah. got to clear that out. I remember like you had to get it to a certain viscosity. And so you did it on a magnetic hot plate and had a little guy, a little magnet in there that was rotating. And right. the number of rotations per minute or whatever was how you measured that it was getting gloopy enough to be done. You know what I mean? And so I really loved watching that process of you put these things together and then it add heat or add light or whatever the various different or some kind of catalyst and remember the titrating of it goes from hey uh, uh at university of illinois it would go hail to the orange hail to the blue and it would change from one to the other because that was the chemical reaction and isn't this all part of being a geek understanding how things work when you see fireworks and it's that's red i think because of strontium and that's green because of copper and sometimes people give you the look like 
Why do you know that? Why would you want to know that? Because it's cool. Why wouldn't you want to know that? <laughs> yeah, like that. Why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? It's not like I took any of the the artistry and the magic and wonder of how it works by understanding a little bit about it. It's not just gunpowder in a rocket. How do they get those different colors? It's such a natural thing to say, how do you make red, white, and blue? You know what I mean? When you see right. that. Oh. Scouts, <laughs> we used to uh, take you know, like cinnamon and various things that would uh, spark up different colors in the fire. And yeah. we do a campfire story that involved these colors and we sprinkle the stuff at the right time. So it, the kids are like, oh, especially when the, the younger ones, the ones that were older, yeah, I've seen this 20 times already. But no, the first time that things have different, in, I don't know, I remember the first time that I learned about, let's see, is it uh, potassium and um the next one on the periodic chart, like they burst into flame in the air. You have to keep oh, and, and when you check it out from the lab, as a student, you're the, the, my, my teacher, uh, Mr. Pumphrey or Mr. Sparacino, were like, we're now getting to the place that I need to tell you that this is dangerous and don't do the wrong thing with this. And I know that you are like the AP chemistry student, but I also know that people just are sometimes forgetful or sometimes they're a little bit of a daredevil and you have to follow these right. or you're going to get in trouble. We're not burning the school down because I gave you some potassium. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, so. <laughs> I was just going to say my buddy's brother went to MIT as a chemistry engineer and that's what they would do on a Friday night. They're nerds. So they're not going to the clubs. They're taking chunks of potassium and sitting on the riverbank, tossing it in the river. That was Friday night. <laughs> All right. I got to get rolling. Okay. So, we had to, okay. A lot of geekery this time. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Thank you all for your pleasure. Have a great fall. We're, like I said, we're doing the Kinza. Have a great meeting at 11 and we'll go from there. We'll do. All this right. has you been the Relentless Geekery right. Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, RelentlessGeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week. <laughs>